This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on the Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. In these pandemic times, the idea of attending a performance often has started feeling quite remote. Um, but what if that performance took place in the form of a phone call where you spoke to a stranger for an hour from the comfort of your own home? Well, that is the basic premise of a performance happening as part of the Singapore International Festival of Arts. The show is called A Thousand Ways, Part 1, A Phone Call. And it's by an American company called 600 Highwaymen. Um, so it's, from ha- it's happening from the 5th to the 22nd of November. And because of its structure, it is open for anyone anywhere who is able to, well, basically use a phone. So joining me today via Zoom um, are the duo behind the show, Abigail Browdy and Michael Silverstone. Thank you for joining me, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, I, I outlined, I think, a very simple version of what the entire thing is, and I haven't experienced it yet, so I'm quite excited for that. Um, could you start off by maybe explaining the mechanics of, um, well, for a thousand ways um, as a whole, but also specifically this part one, which is a phone call? Sure. Um, a Thousand Ways is a new performance that we're making that's actually a triptych. So it's a series of three performances that are going to take place over the course of this year, 2020 to 2021. Um, this installation that's of the piece that's happening and beginning this evening um, is it takes place over the phone. Uh, so what happens is that you buy a ticket just like you would for a regular theater performance. You buy a ticket to a certain day at 8 p.m. Instead of getting a ticket to a theater that you're going to show up in, you get a phone number. And so you call in at your showtime. Uh, you call into that phone number. At the same On that same phone line is another audience member who's also calling in. The two of you there are met by a sort of narrator's voice. Um, she's got an, it's like an artificial um a mechanical voice and she is the the sort of narrator guide who um, directs and guides the performance along. She asks you questions, she gives you instructions, and then the two of you who are the only live people on the call end up having this sort of encounter with one another. You slowly work your way through this series of instructions and you essentially build this performance together um, without ever even knowing each other's names or ever seeing each other's face. Mm. I was curious um, because, you know, there are show times and then, you know, people can buy tickets for a particular slot. Um, But surely it's not just two people at any given time. So I was a little curious about the mechanics and the technology involved in terms of, um, you know, both from from our point of view, I think it seems a little simpler, but behind the scenes. Um, Actually, there's calls that are happening all over the world at a, at, a, at, a, at a single moment in time. Like, for example, we'll be opening the show tomorrow in Singapore, but we're also opening it in Toronto. Um, uh, and so, oh. yeah, so um, it's um, there are multiple calls happening in any given moment all across the world. Um, and uh, there's a lot of phone lines and a lot of people are connecting over these phone lines. Um, and so we could potentially do, you know, as many phone calls as as we as we really wanted to, because it's mostly automated already. Is that is that am I understanding it correctly? Yes, to a degree, there is some automation, and then there's some some theatrical mechanics that make the performance possible as well. Mm. Now, what is the experience that you're hoping to create for the people participating? And you know, I was curious: is there, given that it sounds quite organic and and sort of happens along the way? Is there even a story in that sense? 
Um, there is a story. I think that the experience, while the experience is going to be different for every single person who does this, right? Because it's not only based on who you are and where you are and what <laughs> what room in your house you're calling from. Um, it's also going to really change based on who you reach and who's on the line with you. And your partner in this is sort of your audience member for you and and you you are the audience member for the, they are the actor for you and so you have this kind of co-reliant relationship that's that's based on building this thing together so there is a story in the evolution of your relationship with this person it's very um that i think that over time who's this person whose voice starts almost strange and foreign by the end may feel may feel comforting, may feel familiar, even may feel very close, may feel quite intimate. Um, and simultaneous, so there's a sort of natural development that happens over the course of this 45 to 60 minutes with this person, but simultaneously and woven throughout the experience of the show, there is a sort of fictional narrative that comes in and out of focus um, that I won't say too much about um, because I think it's best left to be experienced, but it does have a kind of there is a story that sort of gets woven through and is part of the um, the thing that you sort of build with this person. Mm. Um, now, the both of you as part of 600 Highwaymen, um, you know, the, the, the shows that you've done in the past, the, the, the kind of performance you do, it does play around already with this idea of intimacy, changing the idea of spaces and how the audience relates to performance. Um, but this particular idea, uh, was it something that was created in response to the pandemic or was it something that you had already been working on? Actually, we have been working on this show for a while now. We um, we had this idea a few years ago that we wanted to make a project for strangers, and um, we wanted it, we wanted it to be um, for pairs of strangers who would meet um, where the performance would happen in people's living rooms. And it was one of these projects that we just kept working on uh, and testing out. We were working on it in New York City. Uh, we were working on it in Philadelphia. And then the pandemic hit and we were suddenly, um, we found ourselves, we left New York City and we um, moved to upstate New York for a bit. And like so many people um, all around the world, we found ourselves um, on the telephone a lot mm. with friends and family and sort of um, re-meeting this analog form where, you know, you could sort of sit on the couch and stare out the window and have these long conversations. And we had this this sneaking suspicion that our next performance needed to somehow be on the telephone and that there was something actually really theatrical about the telephone because it, it practices the same kind of reliance that happens in the theater. You know, in the theater, there's this, this idea of, you know, you're on one side and I'm on the other. You're, there's a spectator and there's a performer and both sides are necessary for this thing to happen. If there's no audience, there's no performance. And if there's no performers, there's no audience. And so the telephone felt like it was the closest we had. We felt like a really great form to um, to explore for theater. Um, And we also liked how there was just something really wonderful about about working just with somebody's voice. Um, When you could hear, you know, the way their voice sounds and the crack in their voice and the way they breathe. And it reminded us also a lot of what happens in the theater. You know, you, 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 your empathetic muscle sort of comes to life because you're, you're meeting somebody or you're meeting a story that you don't know. So um, 
we started testing out this this project and we thought, I wonder if we could make up a show where strangers pick up the phone, reach each other and somehow make something with one another. Mm. Actually, the juxtaposition of what you just said, right? Um, because one of the things that as I was talking about the show with some of my friends um, and that I, I would be uh, catching it over the weekend and that I was talking to you guys, one of the things a lot of people sort of almost recoiled a little bit at was, oh, my God, I have to speak to a stranger for an hour. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but at the same time, you're right that it juxtaposes that with intimacy in a in a strange way. Um did you think about that sort of weird, like it, it sort of people, it does push people a little bit and it confronts them a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I think that, well, actually I'd say this. Um, I think that everyone's different. And, and especially now as we're, we are having the ability to make this show happen in cities across the world. Um, it's wonderful for us to sort of recognize that, that there's no sort of monolithic uh, experience of the piece, um, both across cultures, but also inside of any given city is that depending on who you are and your personality or what's going on with you, it's, it's maybe more or less um, um, more or less exciting or more or less scary. Mm -hmm. And um and I, I do think that the performance does have a series of techniques in it that it's not like you're sort of patched in with a stranger and told, okay, go. You know, you, the experience is fairly guided. And so you can also come into it knowing that the structure of the piece will guide you along. You are not going to be forced to um, make yourself interesting or find come up with things to talk about yeah you are not left you're not left alone even though you are alone <laughs> you're you're following a very specific specific set of directives and um mm -hmm. and tasks and um and you're also you're in charge of yeah. how much you are speaking how much you're sharing yeah. the project is really not about divulging you know your heart and soul the project is about um the project is about sh is about coming into focus for somebody on the other side of the line. It's about um, beginning to try to see one another and try to imagine one another, to try to get a sense of um, who they are and where they are, not from, you know, um, the most dramatic, cathartic, epic fragments of our life, but actually tiny details. What are you sitting on? What are you looking at? What's something to your left? What's a, um, um, uh, I'm giving sort of the most basic examples, but um, it's really meant to bring people together in the act of imagining one another. Mm. Now, you mentioned also that it's, it's um, sort of going to be and has been experienced by people in different countries around the world. How do you find that something like this travels between different cultures, different um, countries, backgrounds? Well, one interesting thing about it is that um, there's something both quite accessible about it, right? We all know how to pick up a phone and use this device and speak to someone. At the same time, there's something about that that is impossible for us to answer because it's not like a theater performance that we usually make where we do a show. We, Michael and I get to sit in the audience and feel how it feels and see how it's going and evaluate, did the audience clap a lot? Did they laugh a lot? Were they quiet? we we aren't there with you um we've sort of made this thing and it happens and there's um an anonymity to it and there's a privacy to it and so um part of that is almost uh, is impossible to answer and that's i think 
both the discomfort and the challenge and the beauty of making something like this for us is, is that it's very different in that we don't get to hold its hand all the way through. Mm, that is actually something I want to pick up on. But um, I think first, I was very curious how you even, you know, sort of quote unquote, write or direct and put together something like this. What's your process? It's a really good question, um, because it is a bit of a conundrum. Um, <laughs> well, we started over the course of the summer. We um, we asked strangers to call in to a phone number where we um, we would uh, we would guide them through uh, through these series of prompts and questions. Um, and at that point, we were playing the we, we were the ones who were guiding the per, guiding the experience. guiding the experience. Um, and we learned, we learned, um, how to shape this experience based on the callers that we had. Um, and we probably did, I don't know, 50 of these calls. And, uh, over the course of the process, we're constantly writing it, rewriting it, adjusting it, uh, resequencing it, um, sometimes improvising on the line when we were rehearsing it. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, we had to kind of jump in the water and sort of feel our way out a little bit. Um, a lot of our early ideas weren't actually, there was something not quite right about our earliest instincts about the project. So, um, which is often the case, the thing that, you know, obviously the thing you start with, um, you, you end up straying, straying from. Mm. And that brings me to what you said Earlier, Abigail, you know, so much of live theater for the creators, uh, for the performers is about that immediacy of the response. Um, in, in something like this, you don't get that. In fact, um, I'm trying to think whether you get it at all. Uh, and so how is that for you? I mean, how do you gauge how it worked? It's, it's, it's really challenging because I have also realized one of the limitations with the project, in addition to all these other limitations, is we can't see people, right? So I, I think we've learned how much we evaluate, Michael and I use our tools of evaluation of how something is landing, how it's registering with our eyes, really. And, um, and, and also just sort of a feeling when you're in a space, when you're in a theater with someone, it's, you can sort of feel when something is electric. And it's much harder to do that when you're mediated over the telephone and when you can't see someone's face or their expression. Um, so, you know, we were doing a lot of these calls when we were writing and developing where we were listening in first with our voices, just guiding the thing. And then we would get permission to, to listen in with people. And then we would have conversations with them afterwards about what they experienced and how it went. Um, and then it, it became, I, I, uh, then I think there was a period of the creation process where, um, we could recognize where conversation was easier and where it was more challenging. And those were tools. When does someone have to stop and think of something and when can they answer readily and not to evaluate those as one is better than the other, but actually that those are to, to be very reductive. Those are two modes of being. What is the, you ask me, what am I sitting on? I can tell you a chair. I don't have to think about it, but you ask me to describe something more complex and I have to pause. And so we could play with things that might create thought. The other thing that happened was we realized early on that we had no idea what people were experiencing. So mm. sometimes, you know, people would, would, um, we would think, ah, oh, they're not having a good time. And then at the end of the show, they would let out a gasp and they would say, I don't want this to be over. 
Um, and then we would have this feedback conversation where we'd get on the phone with them and say, you know, how to go. And they would say, I didn't want it to end. I felt like I knew this person and I, um, and I, I felt this really strong bond. So um, we, we, we quickly learned that it was just very hard to tell what people are experiencing. Um, so that's been, that's been really fun to, yeah. uh, to be surprised by, um, by how people are, are taking it. So as this, as the show stands now, do you um, listen in to calls or do you record or, or it's it, once it's out there, it's just out there? Yeah, there's no recording. There's no listening. It's 100% out there. It's I think, been. I think that part of the project felt really important to us in this moment of how um, theater gets reconceived for sort of the COVID era um, as we're dealing with the limitations of this pandemic. And instead of having something that was recorded and then live streamed or something like this, mm. it was it was actually, you know, in its essence, the thing about theater is that it's, you had to be there, right? It happened once. And if you, um, uh, it, it happens and then it's gone and it's fleeting. And so to have those moments felt somehow important to us to recreate that in a new form. Mm. So now that, you know, now that this year has so significantly changed, and, and we don't know for how long, really, um, this idea of communal experiences, performances, and so on. Um, you know, what, what, to your mind, do you think works like these say about things that are possible in the future? Because we've been talking so, so much about what's not possible. But um, and maybe that's why this show actually got me quite excited, because it felt like it was showing me a possibility. Um, mm. Is that uh, is that something that you you've been thinking of and um and I think this would actually be a good time to also talk about the next phases of um a thousand ways hmm. I do think that it has us thinking about possibility for sure, and maybe look our our performances sometimes the pieces that we've made in the past sometimes they seem quite traditional. the audience sits on one side, the actors stand on the other, and we watch them do things. Um, but sometimes they don't. And sometimes uh, we work in atypical ways. And so I'm grateful for this moment where I see lots of different artists in different, all, all sorts of mediums experimenting with form because we have to. And, and I'm seeing audiences who might be more conservative or less game to sort of um, be up for the kind of experimentation of form are being forced to. And I like that there's um, this kind of radical flexibility that's coming into the world um, where maybe you can strip away all the things that you thought were essential about theater and what's left. And maybe it's just boils down to these two voices on the phone together. Um, in terms of part two and parts two and three of A Thousand Ways, which will happen later in uh, over the course of this year, part two uh, and three both happen in person, in live shared space. They happen safely under COVID protocols. Um, but in the second part, uh, two strangers will come into a room, into an empty theater, and they'll meet there face-to-face. -face. Uh, there won't be other people in the room with them. They'll sit at a table that's separated by glass, and they'll enact a performance that is guided by a stack of um, note cards. So it's about 200 note cards that you follow the instructions, they guide you, they give you a script, they give you physical instructions, things to do, and you end up creating um, this performance with and for this other person that you don't know. Um, of course, that experience, though it's similar to the phone call in a way, in its intimacy and the small scale of it, there is a very different experience of when you're 
looking at someone's face and you don't know them versus when you're just hearing their voice. And all of a sudden when your eyes and your, you're sort of stimulated visually of what, who you think this person is, it's a very different kind of um, experience. Mm. And then the third part we're working on right now, um, and it's just giving us something to sort of dream about because it will take place when it's safe for everyone to gather again. And so that'll take place as a sort of celebration congregation assembly. Uh, all the people who've participated in the project will come together and it'll be a shared group experience that we are all working from um, one um, shared script that gets passed around and we sort of create this experience together. That sounds like something to really look forward to at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Abigail. Thank you, Michael. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. I've been speaking with Abigail Browdy and Michael Silverstone of 600 Highwaymen, who are behind a, a, a very interesting performance that is happening as part of the Singapore International Festival of Arts. The show is called A Thousand Ways, Part One, A Phone Call. Um, and it's a show designed specially with social distancing in mind. And uh, it involves you basically just being in your home, taking a one hour phone call. And it's open to anyone as long as you have access to a phone, of course. And it's on from the 5th, uh, that's today, to the 22nd of November. So tickets are priced at $20. Sing dollars, and for more information, visit sifa.sg. If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.